this morning, hopefully you're in a place where you realize that you're called to be a disciple. I'm hoping that after three weeks so far, you sense God saying, I'm calling you to be a disciple. You're called to be a disciple of Jesus. And what that means is you need to know more about who Jesus is. You need to know what he teaches. You need to try and become more like him. And you need to be grown to a place where you can tell other people about who Jesus is. We sang that this morning. Did you notice that? Um, To know you and to make you known. That's what we were singing. Lord, to be a disciple, I need to know you, but I need to also make you known. I'm hoping that you're in a place where you're saying, for me to be a disciple of Jesus, this is important. If there's any identity that you need to carry in this life, one of absolute importance is I'm a disciple of Jesus. And then hopefully your desire is how can I be discipled? So this morning we're going to look at some of the what's. What of discipleship? What do we do to raise disciples? What do we use to raise disciples with? What do we teach them? Let me ask you these few questions quickly. Where do you go to when you are uh, struggling with your emotions or mentally? Where would you go to? So many people would go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and you would talk to them and they'd give you inputs. They might give you medication, but you might do that. Some of you might even go to that Dr. Ruth column in the magazine. Don't ask me how I know that, but I know it exists. Where do you go to when you need financial advice? When your finances are in disorder, where would you go to? Some of you would go to the bank. Some would go to some finance wizard out there. Some of you would get a book about making money. Some of you would go and click on that ad that you find on the internet on the website. It says, stay at home and make $5,000 a day. Don't ask me how I know that either, but I know it's there. Where do you go to if you are struggling with direction in life, with the the questions of my purpose, my destiny, what am I supposed to do? Where do you go to? Many people go to these self-help books. Some will go even to the horoscope. What do my stars tell me this week has in store for me? Have you ever done that? Gone to your stars and see what they say? I'd be interested to see what they say. Where do you go to if your marriage or parenting is really hard? You might go to some academic books. You might go to friends. You might go to someone who might give you advice. When would you go to the Bible then? When would you? You might say, well, I'll go to the Bible, Greg, if I need to know about God. Well, interestingly, even then, people don't go to the Bible. If people want to know about God, they'll very quickly go to Google. They'll go to philosophers. What did that philosopher tell me about God? You might even go to Morgan Freeman's Nat Geo series called God. You might not even go to the Bible. Well, actually, with every area that I've just mentioned, with your emotions, with your finances, with purpose and marriage and family, for every major area of your life, God says the place that we should turn to is we should go to his word. We should turn to the Bible for every single area of our life. Now, just to put a, a disclaimer out there, I don't discredit everything I mentioned. I don't discredit psychologists. I do discredit Dr. Ruth and horoscopes, those. I do discredit those. But I, I, the point is, is that God is saying, would you turn to his word for those absolutely important questions of your life? Will you turn to them? Will you turn to his word? Will you trust his word to speak into your marriage? Would you trust God's word to speak to you about how to become a better parent? Would you trust God's word to give you direction and purpose in life? Because God says in here you'll find the root of your answers. The foundation of your answers will be found in God's word. So today we're going to look at how 
we need to be discipled in God's scripture in the Bible, okay? And so for us to become strong, mature believers, followers of Jesus, we need to be discipled in the truth of God's word. And we're gonna look at two elements here. We're looking at one, understanding God's word. We need to understand what this book says, but then secondly, we need to apply God's word. Knowledge alone is not enough, but we need to learn to apply it. We need to know what is truth versus what is not true. And then when we apply it, are we telling people truth or are we telling people lies? That's a big warning. We're going to have a responsibility where we're going to tell people what we know. And the question is, well, what are you telling? We need to be very cautious of this. In fact, we see this a lot in the New Testament. If you read some of the New Testament letters, you see a lot of those writers are writing to the early church. And they're saying to them, are you holding on to the truth of the gospel? The gospel that we taught you, are you holding on to that? Because many of them weren't. So Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He writes to the church in Corinth. We even see John writing in 1 John to the churches. And they're challenging the churches saying, why are you manipulating the gospel we taught you. Why are you distorting it? So what would happen is some of those churches would say, yes, we believe that Jesus died for us. We believe in justified by faith, but also we still feel you need to observe the law. Some of them said the men still need to be circumcised in order to be saved. Paul got so angry with them. He said, you know what? Those people who are teaching that teaching, I wish they would go all the way and chop it all off. If you don't know what I mean, don't worry. Sensitive years are better. But that's how angry he was that these teachers were teaching a wrongful gospel. Some of them were saying in order to be saved, you still need to avoid certain foods. Some said you need to take on certain foods. Some said you need to avoid certain festivals. Some said, no, you need to keep certain festivals. The church in Galatia, in Galatians, Paul says, you foolish people, who's bewitched you? Why are you now relying on your works again instead of trusting that you were saved freely by a grace that was freely given. It's got nothing to do with your works, but they distorted it. They changed it. They manipulated it, and they started teaching that, and the New Testament had to correct that. Paul says to the church, um, John says to the church, he warns them against the heretics, the liars, the false teachers. He calls them wolves. Be careful that the wolves come in. He even says when they all leave because they don't like the gospel you teach, well done. I've often said if half this church had to leave, half the people had to leave Cornerstone because we were preaching a true gospel, God would say, well done for staying for the true gospel, not for choosing a lie, not for choosing what is wrong. So the question, the question I'll ask you this morning is how confident are you with regards to the gospel? How confident are you in your knowledge of the gospel, in what you've been taught? Would you be swayed? Could you be misled? The challenge is, is that we should not allow the wolves in who would cause doubt. But would you see the wolves when they come in? I remember when I was young, I was about 18, and a, a young guy came to my home and he said to me, I had a shirt that said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said to me, you know that Jesus isn't God. I believe, this church believes, that we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this young guy said, Greg, I'm telling you now, God, uh, Jesus is not God at all. I was like, well, come on in, let me, let me educate you. That's what I thought I'd be doing. He came in and next thing he hit me with verse, 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 and I was left shaken like you cannot believe. 
right? In the book of James, it talks about being tossed to and fro by waves. I felt like a wave crashed on me. I doubted everything about my salvation, who I was. I remember, I remember that feeling clearly. I was so lost because a young man came into my home and showed me some scriptures that threw me off completely. I got hold of the church leaders, <laughs> shaking at the knees. I don't know what to believe anymore. And some good, mature believers and teachers Fathers in this house said, Greg, well, let's have a look at Scripture in a full context. Let's not pull one verse aside. Let's have a look at how this verse is taken out of context and how that is presented as a lie. Let's have a look at how you were misled. And I just felt this peace come over me because the Word of God corrected how the Word of God was misinterpreted. And it just gave me peace. And it gave me a big warning that there are wolves out there, whether they know it or not. But we need to be careful. For you, how confident are you in what you know? Go to John chapter 8. We can look at verse 31. It's going to appear on the screen, but hopefully you've got a Bible here today. Because that's what we're talking about, is a Bible. Questions, what are you holding on to? What are you teaching others? Jesus says this in John chapter 8, verse 31. He says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Such a good passage. Jesus says, one, abide in my word. Will you be discipled by the word of God? Will you find yourself living in this book? Will you find yourself trusting in this book and what it says? Will you build your life on this book? Not in the philosophers, not in the self-help books. Will you abide in my word? Because if you abide in my word, what you will come to know is truth. We're asking about truth versus lies in this world. You will know the truth when you come into God's word. And what will that truth do for you? It will set you free. This morning, there was that moment where we sang about it. Lord, set us free. I'm telling you now, many of us have to be set free because we're following lies. It speaks about how the devil is an accuser. He comes and he reminds us of our past. He tells you that you're not saved. He tells you that you're not set free. He's going to tell you, you still need to do works in order to be called the son of God. And I would ask you the question, is that in the Bible? Is that what God's word says to you? Because if you read it, it says, no, in Ephesians it says, you've been saved by grace. It's nothing that you've done, but it's a free gift of grace that's been given to you. That's why you should worship. That's why you should sing. That's why you should be set free. And it says, who the son sets free is free indeed. But if you're holding on to a lie, you're a slave. The truth will set you free. The only way you're gonna know the truth is knowing the word of God. Outside of this, You don't know what you're holding on to or believing. So we are to desire truth that's in the Bible. Now, it's wonderful to see the way Jesus would have taught. He taught publicly. There were moments when Jesus taught to thousands of people. It's quite wonderful to imagine. He taught thousands of people at at, at certain moments. But then there were certain moments that Jesus uh, taught privately. He would pull the disciples aside and they would ask him, Jesus, what did that parable mean? Jesus, what is this teaching? Can you explain this to us? Jesus, when will the kingdom come? They would ask those questions and Jesus would take them aside privately and teach them. There were then some really cool moments when Jesus went alone, all by himself. It says he would go like up onto the mountain and just pray overnight, just spend time with the Father alone, asking the Father questions, receiving direction for what to do next. And then Jesus even says that to the disciples, you'll receive the Holy Spirit and he's gonna help give you understanding and revelation. 
If you want the best teacher of God's word, there's no doctor on this planet. There's no theologian on this planet. There's the Holy Spirit. He is the one who has given to you to help you understand this word. If you're not reading the Bible with the Holy Spirit, I heard this description. It's like looking at a sundial without the sun. You can't tell the time without the sun out. Trying to read this word without the Spirit is difficult. Jesus says, I've given, given him to you. And it's the exact same with us. You will be taught publicly. This morning, you are being taught publicly, but you cannot dwell on this teaching alone. Because Jesus says, can I teach you privately as well? Can I take you to your room where you can just sit down? Can I take you to your coffee table? Can I take you to your study? Can I take you to the park where you can just sit and let me speak to you through the word? No one else, don't listen to the podcast, don't listen to the preach, don't listen to anything else. Just open up for yourself and be taught privately because God wants to do that. God's word wants to teach you privately. There'll be times in when um, you'll ask of the Spirit and say, Lord, come and help me understand what this passage means. Come and do it. But we need to be doing that in order to study God's word. Let me give this warning the studying of God's word cannot just become academic study. This is a big warning to me because I, I kind of approach things too academically at times. And here's the warning, not to just treat God's word as an academic study, just to know theology, just to know doctrine and not know the person that we are reading about. We're looking at knowledge and application of truth. Have, have a look at this quote from A.W. Tozer. He's speaking to churches in the, I think it's in the 1960s. He says this, he says, there's today no lack of Bible teachers to set forth correctly the principles of the doctrines of Christ. But too many of these seem satisfied to teach the fundamentals of the faith year after year, strangely unaware that there is in their ministry no manifest presence nor anything unusual in their personal lives. What he is saying is there's an abundance of good teachers there are many who can teach God's word, but how many of them experience what they teach? How many of them encounter the very message they're teaching? It's very easy for a preacher to preach about grace, but does he understand the grace he preaches of himself? It's very easy to talk about being sons and daughters of God, but does the preacher understand it for themselves? The challenge to you, to me, is do we apply, do we experience, do we encounter the very God that we are reading about? Because God is not just information. God is not just a topic to study. God is not just a doctorate. God is a person that we are to know personally. And that's the beauty of the reward of knowing him is that you get to know him, encounter and experience him. And that applies to every preacher who stands at this pulpit or any other pulpit. Do we know the very one that we're preaching of? Do we know the very message we're speaking of? This morning I'm telling you I'm gonna go home and reflect on he knows my name. He's made me his child. I'll never be a slave again. Because I need to make sure I know that. Because I'm telling you to know that. All right? Jesus challenges um, the Pharisees in a very similar way. Look at Matthew 7. He gives us, he gives us parable, this, this, this teaching. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 29. Jesus says, Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Then the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Do you see the key words in that story? Those who heard God's word and did God's word versus those who hear God's word but did not obey. And the question for us is, are we hearing God's word and applying it? Are we hearing God's word and making it happen in our lives? Are we making it real or are we just learning something? We're all this morning hearing God's word. The question is, are you going to go home and apply it? Are you going to go and say, Lord, I want to build upon this truth, upon this foundation? But here's the warning. Times of testing are going to come. Hardship is going to come. The wolves are going to come. And they're going to test you. What are you building on? What are you believing on? What are you standing on? And if you've heard God's word but do not apply it, Jesus says you're being foolish. And whatever you're building is going to fall apart. But if we hear God's word and apply it in our lives, every truth that he's teaching, we will stand. We will stand. I want to end by looking at um, a passage in Timothy. Paul's going to teach us how do we apply God's word in our life. And uh, Paul's, he's, he, he treats Timothy like a spiritual son. He's discipling Timothy. And so here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he's going to give Timothy some really good wisdom about how do you build upon God's word? How do we grow and be discipled in God's word? So have a look at this. This is some stuff we need to apply. It reads this. 2 Timothy chapter 1 from verse 13 to verse 14. Paul says, follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, God, the good deposit entrusted to you. Let's have a look at this word by word. Let's break it down. Paul says, look at the pattern of sound words, of sound doctrine. That word pattern means a stencil, means like a dress pattern. It's something that is exact. It's not something that's, that's, that, that's, uh, suggested. It's not something that's nebulous. It's not something that's uh, possible. It's an exact description. It's an exact pattern that God is talking about. It's not our pattern of God's word. It's not our interpretation or our teaching. It's what we see in God's word. God has given us a clear and definite gospel that we need to hold on to. I've heard some people who will take God's word and say, this is wonderful, but I feel like it's missing some stuff. I want to add to it a little bit. I want to look at our current cultural uh, uh, demographic and I think we could add to God's word. I think living together with the person you love before you're married is actually okay. I think it's okay to sleep with the person that you are in love with before you're married because I think in today's society that's okay. I think God's word's a little bit outdated. Let's add to God's word. Have you ever done that? Added to God's word? Some people take away from God's word. So, yeah, God's word's great. I love the blessings. I love that whole thing about, you know, the blessing upon generation to generation. I love that God loves me. I love that God forgives me for all my mistakes. But I don't love the parts about following uh, commands. And I don't love that tithing part either. And I don't love that part that it says I've got to love my enemy and pray for my enemy. That part's horrible. So you might even tear those pages out of the Bible. So turn to Matthew chapter 7 verse like, I don't have that anymore. I don't think it's really that important anymore. There are some people who discredit this book completely. There have been pastors in the past who've said to their church, we've come so far with the Bible, it's wonderful. Chucked it out and said, but now I feel like God's given me the new revelation. We're going to build on what I say from here going forward. And people have followed. 
Now here's the good news. No pastor in this church has thrown this word out. We're not adding or subtracting. We believe in it. We hold them to this word, but so do you. Don't discredit anything. Don't take anything out. Don't add in. This is the exact pattern. This is the exact word that God wants to give to us. No one possesses the authority to replace God's word. No one. This is God's word. It then says that this word is sound. It's healthy. It's uncorrupt. It's whole. It's free of error. Paul says in Acts 20 that he gives the whole counsel of God. He said, I'm giving you an understanding of what God's word is. not faulty or diseased. It's wholesome and it's going to give us life. It then says sound words, doctrine. This is faith. This is teaching that God has given to us. It's instructions that God's given to us. It's his message that God has given to us. What we need to stand on, build our life upon. This word is what the church is built upon. Not man's idea or wisdom. This church has to stand on this word. Your life has to stand on this word, not on anything else. There's no other book. God said, I want you to know who I am. And you know how I'm going to get you to know who I am? I'm going to give you this book. God says everything he wants us to know, he'll put in this book. And anything he chose to not put in this book, he says you don't need to know. So don't worry about the dinosaurs, okay? Because God, if you felt you needed to know, he would have put it in there. But God says, what I want you to know about me and what I want you to know about you and what I want you to know about this life and about the past and about the future, I'll put it in here. Trust it. This is special. This is not a publisher's book. This is God's word to you, to me, for every generation. It's God's word. God then says, this is a good deposit. This is something really good and wholesome for us. Look at the verbs in that passage. It says, one, we need to hear. Hear it. So this is very simple. Are you reading God's word? Do you have a personal relationship with your Bible? Do you have a Bible? It's okay if it's on your phone. It's okay if it's on your device. But do you have one? Or are you relying on that little message you get every day from the verse of the day? Verse of the day is not you reading the Bible. It doesn't matter how many hundreds of people you send that verse of the day to. You are not reading the Bible if you're just living your life on the verse of the day. Read chunks of the Bible. Find a Bible reading plan. You don't have to read from Genesis to Revelation. You could read just the New Testament. You can read topics. If you want joy, read verses on joy. Find scriptures that speak on joy. If you need wisdom, find all the verses that speak about wisdom. If you want to know who the Holy Spirit is, do a study on who the Holy Spirit is. But read the Word of God for yourself as much as you can, as often as you can. If you need help with this, please get hold of the church. Get hold of us. Because we've, we've struggled through it. We've all got to Leviticus and said, oh man, there goes my Bible reading plan for this year. And Genesis, we know Genesis really well. And Exodus, we know that really well. But after Leviticus, we're a little bit stuck. Right? We want to help you guys. But we need to hear God's word. Hear a church, studying it within our life groups, praying over it, applying it. Then it says, follow God's word. Look at this quote from a gentleman named Rick Godwin. He says this, If someone can't give you clear scripture for a statement, it's simply an opinion, a preference, or their conscience. It's not binding on you. Stick with clear scripture. If somebody gives you wisdom... Someone gives you opinion, someone gives you advice, always. If someone gives you a prophetic word, don't hold that as gospel truth. Come before God's word and say, Lord, do you back this? If somebody says, I have a prophetic word for you, you need to leave your wife in order for you to live freely. Oh, really? Does God's word say that? If it says no, then don't listen to the lie. Apply it. 
If I said to you, in order for you to live a fulfilled life, you need to be a church planter in the uttermost part of some rainforest, that's a lie. Someone will get that call, but not all of us. God needs you to be in the corporate world. He'll call you. So we need to guard this word. We need to protect this word in our life. And uh, Jesus shares a parable about this. I'm not going to read it. You probably might know it, but um, it's in Matthew 13. Read it at home. It's a good passage to read through. But Jesus simply says that the sower goes out and sows the seed. The word of God has been sent out regularly, day after day after day. This morning, God's word has been sowed out across the world. But then it says some of the seed falls upon different ground, different hearts. And the one is it falls upon the path and eventually, very quickly, the birds come and eat the word of God. It doesn't bear any fruit. It isn't even taken in. It then says some of that seed falls upon rocky ground where it it will try to grow, but eventually um, the heat just destroys it and there's no way that 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 word could take. It then speaks about how some of the seed will fall and will start to grow, start to bear fruit, but then the thorns and the weeds will come and just choke it up. Now in all those cases, that's where the word of God has gone out, but it gets stolen from doing what it's called to do. And for you to guard your heart, what is stopping God's word from being applied in your life? Are there people who will tell you to not listen to what was said? Are you distracted? Are those weeds the, 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 the pleasures of this world or the distractions of this world that you're not ready to let go of and therefore you put aside God's word? What is stealing God's word from your life from building and bearing the fruit that God's word wants? The last soil is the good soil. Jesus says it's, it's an honest heart, one that's well readied and prepared, one that's hungry, And it says, when God's word falls upon that heart, it will bear fruit. Bearing fruit means you'll grow. You'll feel free. You'll feel more alive. You'll feel joyful and full of love. And you will grow and you'll bear fruit, a lot of fruit. The challenge for every single one of us is as we hear God's word, as we read God's word for ourselves, is am I treating this with respect, with authority? Am I honoring this word? Am I going to allow it to do something in my life? And God will do that if we are willing to partake in it. So here's the encouragement for you, for me. This morning is that we would value this Bible in our lives, this word of God in our lives. We'll treat this book more than just writing. It's more than philosophy. This is more than history. This is more than just good opinion. This is God's word that he speaks to us. He reveals himself to us through this word. He says that this is truth, absolute truth. In every single situation of your life, God wants to lead you through this word. And what that needs is you need to read this word. Trust in this word. And I promise you, the more you read, the more you'll understand. The more that you read, the more you'll grow. And like I say, if you need help with this, come and ask us because we want to see you flourish in this. Can I ask you to stand? We're going to pray.